When you meet someone, do you wonder about their story? If you're like me, you're always interested in the lives, hopes, and dreams of people. Stories Connect People podcast will bring you interesting, inspiring, and compelling stories from people just like you and me. Stories that will inspire you. They'll make you laugh. You'll learn. They might even make you cry. But above all, you will feel connected and closer to the people around you. You may see yourself in these stories. You may feel connected because you share similarities in your own journey. There are rich, interesting stories closer than you think, maybe even yours. Thank you for listening to Stories Connect People. I am Polly Van Duzer, your host. Happy 2021 and welcome to Stories Connect People podcast. If this is your first time listening, I am so glad you're here. If you are returning, thank you so much for being part of the Stories Connect People podcast community and such a loyal listener. What a great way to kick off 2021 with my guest today, Eva Grazel. Eva is a motivational speaker an incredible storyteller, an oral cancer survivor, and an author. Eva was pursuing a career as an actress when she found her calling and passion telling stories. She developed an interactive way to tell stories unlike anyone else. That took her from the classroom to today where she's performing for audiences all over the country. Eva was at the top of her game when she had what they thought was a canker sore on her tongue. A couple years later, she discovered she had stage four oral cancer. Eva will share her background, how she found her passion, how her life was impacted by cancer, and how she came out of that even stronger. And now, she is an advocate for patients and oral cancer screenings. She warns us of the importance of screening and what we should minimally expect from our dentist. Eva is a 22-year cancer survivor and authored a children's book, MC Plays Hide and Seek. When she was diagnosed, she had two young children. It wasn't easy, and later she wrote this book to help families communicate, to help children understand cancer, to promote dialogue, and help them better understand and address their feelings. Eva offered a great gift for you, so listen for this in the podcast, and you will hear some other incredible gems from her story and resources on her website that you will not want to miss. It might help you leave your own legacy. Eva, welcome to Stories Connect People podcast. Hello, Eva. How are you today? Welcome. Oh, Polly, I am excited to be on the show. Well, welcome to Stories Connect People podcast. I am so glad that you're here with us. Thanks. I love the title. I'm all about stories. I love connecting with people. So this is right up my alley. Well, you know, your story is right up the alley for Stories Connect People podcast. And so I think this is a perfect match and we're going to learn all about you and your background. But um, I'll just start with how um, I was connected to you. 
And so I was introduced to you by uh, Lori Orlinski. Uh, she, so I interviewed her for um, my podcast um, several weeks back, but she also is part of an organization. She owns Forward Publicity, and she wanted to help spotlight your great book, MC Plays Hide and Seek. And so this book is a mission, um, and it helps encourage dialogue among families, uh, specifically children, about cancer and helping them be able to cope. And I know you're going to share so much more about that. And so um, you are an incredible woman. Um, It is really amazing to connect with you. So you're a multi-time author, a motivational speaker. I can't wait to talk about that. A professional storyteller. I mean, what could be more perfect than Stories Connect People podcast? An oral cancer survivor, an advocate for patients, a mom, and probably a lot of other things that we'll uncover here today. So why don't we jump right in? Um, Can you share a little about just maybe you um, as your background, and then we'll get started from there? Sure. I pursued a career as an actress. I wanted to be a star on Broadway. And I got a job in a religious school teaching Bible stories. Why did they choose me when I really had no interest in pursuing anything religious at that time in my life? This educator wanted someone dramatic. And because I had the theater background, she hired me. It was a great paying job. It didn't interfere with auditioning. And it was in that classroom where I developed story theater, an interactive way to tell stories. I mean, these students were bored. They didn't want to be there. They had other things they'd much rather be doing. And to engage them, I found the only thing that worked was to have them actually role play characters in the Bible stories that I was told to teach. And it just took off. I mean, it was one particular day when the principal came into my classroom furious. And she said, didn't you hear the bell ring? You have caused such a traffic jam now. Dismiss the kids. I said, I said, I'm so sorry. I didn't hear the bell ring. I looked at the kids and I said, guys, did you hear the bell ring? And they were like, yeah, but wait. What happens in the story? And this principal's mouth dropped open. She dismissed the kids. And the following week, she came into my class to see what it was, how I told stories that was so engaging. And as she saw the way these children became the stars of the story and that the illustrations in the books You didn't really need. They just looked at one another and got inspiration and their imagination was sparked because the the other students created and helped develop the imagination. Well, she just said, Eva, you can make a business out of this. And I said to her, out of what? And she said, she said, the way you tell stories. So she said, look, I'll help you out. I'll do a recommendation letter to all my colleagues in, you know, religious faith-based schools. And you will make a flyer of all these religious faith-based programs you do. And I actually started to book programs. And then I thought to myself, why am I limiting myself to faith-based groups? 
So I took out the religious aspects of the stories. Most of the stories were just great value-oriented stories. So I changed a couple of things and I started performing at public schools and private schools and educator conferences. And wow, I mean, I developed a reputation for myself in the religious arena, but I also was in education. So I started to teach educator workshops on interactive storytelling techniques. This is incredible. <laughs> and I loved it. I don't know anybody else, Polly, that does what I do. I don't. I have yet to meet someone who can tell stories in an interactive format the way I do. Can you tell us a short story now? Maybe, I don't know how long they take, but is that something that you can do? <laughs> I, I can try in a podcast when you can't really see me. We'll hear your voice and your words and your inflection, and you are so passionate about this. So, I mean, if you want to give it a try, that would be awesome. I can try. I mean, I can't physically involve anybody in the story because I can't see any kind of audience, but I will tell you a story that's one of my signature stories. Okay. And it's about a young man who gave up his life to save someone else. And when he went to the world beyond, he was asked whether he wanted to reside in the place up above or the place down below. Well, this young man said, hey, I want to see both places before I make my decision. And first he went down below and there he saw this big pot of sweet smelling bubbling soup in the center of the space. There were people sitting all around and everybody had a long handled spoon long enough to reach the nutritious soup. But when he looked at the people, they were sick, pale, just miserable. Then he went up above. Surprisingly enough, he saw the exact same thing. There was a big pot of sweet smelling, bubbling... Yes. And everybody was sitting around and each and every person had a very long handled spoon. Yes. But up above the people were smiling. They were full. They were robust. The young man wondered why the difference when both places have the exact same thing. Down below, the people were trying to feed themselves. The handles of the spoons were so long the spoons couldn't reach their own mouths. But up above, the people didn't even try to feed themselves. They only fed each other. And when this young man was asked again whether he wanted to reside up above or down below, where do you think he chose, Polly? Above! The original version of this folktale, which is 2,000 years old, says, yes, he chose to live up above because he deserves to live in a good place. But I believe he chose to live down below because there he could make a difference. And so do you, Polly, with every story that you share. You are touching lives and making a difference. And I hope that all of your listeners are also recognizing how in their own lives, they too can make a difference. And every little thing they do to make a difference has a rippling effect. It inspires all of the people who know them and love them to do the same. 
really just makes me want to like think about stories to share with pe- like even like in my profession or whatever um the way to share a story more vibrantly like you just um like you just did and it was a folk a tell but still i mean i think that there's so much to learn from that thank you in fact you can go on my website evagrazel.com slash it's like I set it up. This is great. Go ahead. If you go slash stories, there is a whole list of stories that can be used in business or at home with children. And they're all one page, really easy to read, maybe two, three paragraphs at the most. And each story is crafted with a value and a meaning worth sharing. I am going to connect to that um, in the show notes. And that is so incredible. So if any of our listeners check those out, you'll have to connect with uh, Eva and follow her on social media so that you could let her know that. And we'll share all of that at the end. Um, Well, Eva, I mean, completely unexpected to um, just hear that amazing (laughs) story from you. Thank you so much. Um, So you um, had this profession where you were I was at the top of my game Polly I was performing all over the United States and I developed a sore on my tongue oh tell us about that and I just it was so odd I mean it was like a canker sore but I never had a canker sore on my tongue before and after about eight weeks I went to an oral surgeon He told me, look, if it bothers me so much, he could take it off. And I said, great, take it off. Two days later, I was fine. Two weeks later, his receptionist told me my biopsy was negative. I literally said to her, are you sure you're calling the right patient? I had no idea they were biopsying it. I literally thought, what on earth could you look for in a biopsy of the tongue? But she said, you had nothing to worry about. And I said, great, I didn't know I needed to worry. But my story is that I was unaware that my biopsy was read by a general pathologist who reads, you know, breast tissue, skin tissue, just a little of everything, instead of an oral pathologist. They are specialists. And if my biopsy was read by an oral pathologist, they would have seen precancerous cells. But unfortunately for me, Uh, The doctor's report said that it was hyperkeratosis, which is just like a hardening of the skin. So for two years, I had no symptoms. And then the sore came back and they looked at that biopsy report and they said, Eva, it's caused by trauma. They told me for nine months, every time I came in complaining, they said, your teeth are sharp, you're chewing on your tongue, you talk too much, try these gels, these rinses. I mean, they treated me for trauma when in fact it was cancer. And by the time I was diagnosed, I was stage four. I never smoked. I rarely drink. It was You know, it was not common, but nobody is at no risk for cancer. And basically, uh, when I got the news that I was stage four, I, I went into shock. Literally, I ate well, I exercised, I had no risk factors. 
So for all your listeners out there, I'm going to make a plug for an oral cancer screening because I'm a big advocate for patient education. So Polly, do you, when you go to your dental checkup, does your dentist yank your tongue out with a gauze? No. Oh, no, Polly. Do they feel your neck? Do they palpate your neck? The dentist? No. All right, Polly, you and a lot of other people need to call up your dentist and say, I just did a podcast with Eva Grazel. She's a stage four survivor of oral cancer, a young woman, and I want an oral cancer screening at my next checkup. Does your practice provide that? And if they don't provide it, Polly, you need to move. I'll tell you why. It's the standard of care. The American Dental Association requires an oral cancer screening at every dental checkup. And in 2019, they not only require an oral cavity cancer screening, but now they're requiring, due to the HPV virus, an oropharynx cancer screening, which means they palpate your neck, They ask you to go ah, and they look at the back of your throat for symmetry in your tonsils or any redness that's on one side and not on the other side. So I'm a big advocate for education. I believe if patients are educated at the dental practice about the signs and symptoms of this disease, then we'll catch it early. And when it's caught early, it's very survivable. Well, I am glad that you are a survivor. And what is it, like um, 20 years 22 years, and you can put in your notes for the show, sixstepscreening.org, six steps to a thorough oral cancer screening. And it will answer all your questions for the general public about what a screening is, what they're looking for, and signed in symptoms so that you're educated. I always say, get informed. And we're educated about uh, looking at our own skin for skin cancers. We're educated about feeling our breasts for breast cancers and other cancers. But it is high time that we start to look in our mouths and get educated about the health of our mouths so that when we see something abnormal, we know to get in and have a dental professional evaluate. Absolutely. Well, I am going to absolutely link to that. Well, how has uh, having cancer changed your life? And as a survivor, do you... I'll tell you what I've learned about being a survivor. Yeah. Three main things. It's not about the length of your life. It's about the breadth of it. That you have far more strength than you think you have. And lastly, nobody will take care of you like you. My three pearls of wisdom from surviving this disease. Those are definitely great words of wisdom. Well, when you found out that you had cancer, you had children? My children were five and seven years old. Okay, and how, how did your family deal with it? Well, oral cancer is a very public disease. You cannot hide it under your clothes. The the surgery, the radiation, it's all right in the mouth. It's devastating. Treatment is literally barbaric and still is. Um, How did my family deal with it? Well, let's just say it wasn't easy and cancer is a family affair. 
And I believe that it is a big mistake for cancer survivors not to share their diagnosis with their children and grandchildren. And I'd like to share with you why. Please. The first reason it's imperative you share with children of all ages, even two-year-olds, because they are smarter than you think they are, than we give them credit for. They hear the crying, they hear the whispering, they hear the muffled tears, they hear the phone ringing off the hook, they see all the visitors, they know something's going on. So better to get a book like MC Plays Hide and Seek and help start the conversation at that in, in an age-appropriate way for them. So the reason you want to tell children is, number one, you do not want to promote secrecy and dishonesty in your family. It's not a good value. Mm-hmm. Second, if anything should happen to you, your children could be forever angry because you didn't give them that last bit of time to cherish moments together. Mm -hmm. And the third reason is that sharing your cancer diagnosis is an opportunity, an opportunity to leave a legacy, a legacy of choosing courage and choosing gratitude choosing moments to cherish, a legacy of showing your children what a good friend looks like, what it means to be compassionate, empathetic. It is such an opportunity to learn and grow. So to rob your children of such an incredible lesson that you could only share if you go through something like this. So it's a lesson because certainly Every child is going to experience challenges in their life. They're going to be friends with people who experience challenges and they will have a leg up by going through it with you in whatever capacity you want to share it with them. It gives them the opportunity to grow and learn. So is that what led you to writing the book? MC plays hide and seek? Absolutely. So I I thought about the book for a while, but never got to it until I reached my 10-year cancer anniversary. And I thought, okay, I do not need to worry about a recurrence any longer. I need to celebrate this moment, this milestone, how to do it. And I felt like there was no better way than to write a book to help children just like my own understand cancer, make it less scary, address feelings that are associated with cancer, promote dialogue with parents so that instead of it being cancer, being something you're so afraid of, you don't know if you can get it, you're afraid that you might hurt somebody, you don't know what to say, all of that. Instead of the unknown, it, it empowers children to speak up, to know how to help, to know what to do, to understand their feelings. And when they feel something, the book helps them 
with lots of ways they could cope with their feelings. And it might be drawing a picture, writing in a diary, calling a particular friend, telling an adult you trust, telling a teacher. I mean, there's so many things that a child could do when they have the feeling. But if they don't know what to do with the feeling, they hold it in. And when they hold it in, it could really be an emotionally harmful experience that they will hold the rest of their lives. In fact, I regret having to share this with you, but you know, my daughter has PTSD because we did not address their feelings. She was five and I regret it, but everybody was so focused on me getting better. Nobody thought about how my disease affected my children. I did take her for therapy as soon as I was able to well enough, but the trauma was pretty deep at that point. And well, let's just say nobody knows my children as well as I do. The two of them, 18 months apart, were very competitive. And one day I came up with this idea for a game, a competition called The Smallest Kiss in the World. And I did this because my daughter no longer kissed me. She hadn't kissed me for two years. And I, I know why she didn't kiss me, because she was a really smart kid, very intuitive. She knew she could lose me, and I believe she didn't want to commit to another day of loving me. Hmm. And I came up with this idea for the smallest kiss in the world. And Jeremy took my head so gently and he gave me this little eeny, weeny, teeny little kiss. And I said, whoa, Jeremy, that was way too big. And Elena said, let me try. And she grabbed my head like a football and she angled it just the way she needed to. She kissed. <laughs> but let me tell you, I didn't even feel it on my peach fuzz. And I said to her, Jeremy did a better job than that. She said, huh, let me try again. She started to ask to play the game. And this is what put us on the road to recovery. And so, so I want to talk about what feedback that you get from families from the book. But what did it mean to your children? Um, of course, they were quite a bit older by the point that you um, began to do the book. What was that experience like from their side, knowing that you were doing this? Well, they loved it. They, I bet. But mostly I did it when they were in school and it took months and months to work with a illustrator and, and the wording, you know, a lot of people think it's a cinch to write a children's book, but actually every single word had to be addressed. Every sentence had to be simplified, looked at. Could there be a better word to use that's age appropriate? And the first version of my book was actually called Mr. C Plays Hide and Seek. And when I went with Mascot Books as my publisher for the second edition of the book, I had this idea. Why is cancer a mister. So I decided it's going to be MC plays hide and seek. And that was one of the biggest changes I think that I love 
because gender neutrality is so important to recognize today. Sure. And and the other thing is I added a whole section in this new edition about feelings because I think that that section on feelings can be applied to almost anything. That And one of the pages that I love in the book is you matter. Your feelings matter. I love that. Yeah. And that and I explained that it's that it's okay to feel sad and it's okay to feel angry, but it's not okay to hurt others or hurt yourself. And the way you cope with feelings is, and then there's a whole section on the many things you can do with your feelings. I bet that helps the parents with such a great relief as they start talking through it with their children. Do you get a lot of feedback from them on that? Uh, I get so much feedback. And for the new edition of the book, people who have heard bits and pieces of it on social media have said, I wish I had this when my kids were little. That's the most common comment I get. There are so many parents who don't know how to face that difficult challenge of telling a child. So from the children's perspective, have you gotten feedback from from kids? Like what's yeah, a lot of feedback. In fact, the most common feedback that I get is children say, I didn't know you can't catch cancer like a cold. Oh, I can imagine because, you know, when people are, are sick, you're like, oh, you know, they have to stay at home or whatever. And, and kids probably do think that you can catch it. Right. And I explain cancer is not like a virus. You can't catch it from hugging, kissing, sneezing. You can't catch it. So that's the most common response to the book that I get that kids really, it really resonates with children, especially now during COVID. Well, have you been able to take this great storytelling, and I'm sure some of that just, you know, comes through in the book with with the work that you did with that, but do you marry that in any way with the book? Um, Really, but I have written a second book. It's called Mr. C, the Globetrotter, yeah, Mr. C. the Globetrotter is still in its first edition, so it's not gender neutral yet. But I would like to offer your listeners a special, Polly. Oh, okay. That's awesome. Okay. If you order MC Plays Hide and Seek on Amazon, they can contact you and let them know that you they did it. And I will send them a free copy of Mr. C. the Globetrotter. That's a great offer. Thank you so much. So we can put those links in the show notes or with my email. They can reach out to me directly, show proof of purchase on Amazon and uh, or Barnes & Noble or wherever. And I'll do that. Yeah, that that would be great. Well, um, so what is next for you? Well, I know that there's very little on the marketplace for high school and college age youth who have a family member with cancer. So I've already started that book. I'll get to it one of these days. 
But mostly I am a motivational speaker. This is what I do now. I tell my story on big stages. I think I provide hope and a lot of wisdom in perspectives on life. And I share my personal story through which a lot of people learn about, you know, oral cancer as well as a little bonus. <laughs> you share your story with these big audiences. It has to um, personalize, you know, if, uh, you know, people love stories, right? And then you, you know, it moves you, you get behind it, you love the person, you... You got it, Polly. I mean, after my lectures, people line up to give me a hug and to share their story. It's like what stories do is it's subconsciously saying, I'm trusting you with my story. You can trust me with yours. That's the subconscious message when you share a personal story. And after I share mine, people are drawn to telling me their stories. I bet you can't even get out of there. <laughs> yeah, there was one time when I had a lecture and I had to catch a flight out to make it to another lecture. And I literally had to tell the conference organizers, you need to usher me out of here so that nobody stops me because otherwise, you know, the crowd will come up and I won't be able to get to my flight on time. So they literally had two people on either side of me, ushered me out and I made it to my plane. So storytelling was your profession and you had oral cancer. How, so during that time, how did that impact your work and how did you get back into it? Well, when I regained my ability to speak articulately, and how long was that? It was about six months. Believe it or not, it wasn't. When you look back at that whole experience, I mean, six months is like a blip in your life. But when you're going through it, it's, you know, every day I, I mean, I literally, Polly, I planned my funeral. I didn't think I was going to make it. So it was, you know, it was holding on by a thread. And one of the other things that I published that I think your listeners will be particularly interested in is my story legacy. Uh, one of the, so I wrote this letter when I was planning my funeral. I actually wrote a note to my husband about where I wanted to be buried because it was something we hadn't decided. We didn't have plots. I actually decided what I wanted written on my tombstone. Because how, how should, why should he possibly have to deal with all of that in addition to everything else that goes into, you know, dealing with death? And I also wrote a letter to my children. And I had it in the safety deposit box. And I told my husband that when I pass, this letter goes to the children. It's still in my safety deposit box, Polly. <laughs> yeah, and, um, but I... One day I learned about ethical wills. I never heard of that before. Ethical wills go all the way back to biblical times. I loved the concept. It's basically writing out your values and, and your wishes for your future generation. So I started doing some research and I loved the idea of ethical will, but I didn't like the name who, you know, that's not a very attractive thing to do, right? An ethical will. So I 
published what I call is My Story Legacy. And it's a 12-page booklet, and it asks questions that generate the stories that you will really want to tell future generations. It asks questions like, when were you most brave? When did you rely on family and friends to get through something? What regrets do you have? Who do you wish you could apologize to? Um, it asks you for your values. There's a whole page on values. What are your values on charity, education, religion? I mean, these are things that you may not know, Polly, about your parents or grandparents. But if it's written down, you could easily write a eulogy or because the most important pieces of their life are in the booklet. And it also asks questions like, you know, what's your favorite song or your favorite book or your favorite psalm? And not everything has to be at, answered, but it helps generate ideas for what you may want to answer. What an incredible gift to leave behind to someone. I mean, it's... Yeah, so I'll put that in your show notes too. <laughs> I hate when I get teary on these podcasts and it happens sometimes, but that is such a beautiful gift to leave someone is your stories. And it's what they want to know. You know, that's right. You could leave money. You could leave uh, jewelry or some possessions, but I really believe that one of the most valuable possessions you can leave to your children and grandchildren are your stories. And the reason why is because it helps them know who they are, where they came from. You know, your stories, it's what made you and it's you that helped to make them. So when you share your story about bravery or your story about where you came from or, or, or your childhood or your love story, when you share those stories, your children have a new, uh, an expanded sense of themselves. And children today need that. They need to know who they are more clearly. And that is where they came from. And when there are stories that you don't like, I mean, there are stories that you will not like to hear about where you came from. They're not beautiful, lovely stories. However, they are your stories. And the beauty of those stories is that you learn from them. You grow from them. You, be, you become the greater person through them. If you had a cush life your whole life, you know, with no challenges, it's frankly, it's not very interesting, is it? I mean, something completely unexpected that I, I mean, our story that you shared and, and then um, this about my story legacy, it, um, I really hope our listeners will check that out and, um, and consider, you know, maybe it's something that you ask, like my parents, you know, I would have to, I'd have to read it to them and write it out, but it could be something that would be really special to have and maybe questions I haven't even thought to ask them. 
This would be a great New Year's resolution. Get a copy of the story legacy and start during the winter months when you're holed in. Get your parents and grandparents to start writing out their stories. You know, even if you just ask the questions that are in the booklet and then, you know, you could fill it in if they don't want to fill it in, but it is a great generator of stories. I interviewed my dad for Father's Day um, on the podcast and it, so that was like, I mean, several months ago. So it was the podcast eight of Stories Connect People, but it was the most beautiful thing and I will treasure it for, and he, and he was like, I can't wait to listen to it, Polly. He was going on and on about, you know, I hope that you keep this forever. You're always going to have this of me. And oh, oh I mean, like, I barely could finish the interview. Aww. It was like, it was the sweetest, sweetest thing. And so I've been um, trying to do one with my mom. And so um, my parents are still together. They're amazing. They're just older. And so um, anyway, uh, but this just, you know, makes me think back to to uh, doing the interview with daddy and just how incredible Aww. it was. And so <laughs> um, you'll have to tell me what you think. He's the simplest man in the world. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, well, Eva, is there anything that you want to share that we haven't talked about uh, with your amazing background or anything that you want to um, just tell us about your life? <sighs> There's been so many gifts throughout the podcast, so I want to thank you for that. <laughs> I think that's a good place to end. Let them check check out my website. And check out the stories, the whole list of stories that they could use at their family gatherings to promote dialogue about family values. Absolutely. Well, if they want to follow you on social or connect with you or uh, check out your website, and of course, we know we can get your book on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, but tell us how to follow you. Uh, just my name, Eva Grazel. Everything is there at Eva Grazel. Gray, like the color of my hair, G-R-A-Y. Z is in zebra. E, L is in Larry. That's my name. And uh, one last thing that your audiences could do is if they're going to a dentist that is not providing oral cancer screenings, is to purchase a six-step screening poster and bring it to their dental office so that patients can get educated about the signs and symptoms. Well, that's a um, great last tip to leave us with. So Eva, it has been a real pleasure to have you as a guest today on Stories Connect People podcast. Thank you for being so inspiring and sharing a little about your life and uh, you're an incredible storyteller. So I'm going to even do more research on you. And um, I just I want to thank you for being a part of this show. Thank you, Polly. And thank you for what you do as well. Thank you for listening to Stories Connect People podcast. If you enjoyed this, please subscribe, listen, rate, or share with others. I look forward to being with you next time on Stories Connect People podcast.